Blog Talk Radio.
skies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. of the things that have happened 
in our nation, the reasons that it happened, because the understanding history is extremely important. Uh, a lot of people think that, that history is of no use because it, uh, by its very nature, it is in the past tense. And things uh, like the Italian race car driver said, uh, what's behind me is not important. However, uh, the old cliche of those that do not uh, know history are doomed to repeat it is very true. Uh, Also, in order for you to know what you're going to do, you kind of need to know what you have done. Uh, it's it's a very important part of of who we are, our history. And so I try to bring a great deal of history to the show. And if there are things that you'd like to hear about from our from America's history, then let me know because, like I said, I, I don't do the show for me. Uh, I do uh, the show runs me about. I think it takes me almost three forty hour work weeks. Uh, and then a couple thousand dollars a year out of my own pocket. Uh, And I don't do it for me. I could be uh, reloading or uh, or reading or uh, or watching Black Hawk Down (laughs) or uh, any any number of things. Uh, But I think it's important to get a lot of the information out uh, to the folks that listen to the show. So be sure and let me know what things that you would like to hear. All right? Now, I want to start off by uh, thanking uh, Poker Face. The music you hear when we're starting the show is a song called Control, and that's from uh, a band called Poker Face. And Poker Face is a uh, kind of a revolution rock band, and they do a lot of... uh, they do a lot of great work for them in a lot of venues across the United States, things like the Knob Creek uh, uh, shooting events and stuff like that, giving out their message that that we citizens are in control of our lives, or rather we should be. Uh, it seems that the government is intent on on spreading uh, ever further uh, their encroachment into our lives. Now, I'm not anti-government. Uh, if you hear me, if you hear the things that I'm saying on here, if you hear things that sound like uh, like it is anti-government, you are wrong. I'm about as pro-government as you can get. And by government, I mean uh, we the people of the United States. And I think it's... Uh, I think it's important, uh, which is another reason I do the show, it's important to try and get the the understanding out that the responsibility uh, for ensuring that we remain a free, a free people rests completely on the shoulders of each and every citizen of the United States. Uh, the responsibility for ensuring that the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation 
that they do not uh, uh, dissolve or, or rust away. The responsibility is an open-ended, non-delegatable responsibility. By that I mean you can't, you cannot uh, delegate this authority to anybody else. You can't say, well, my my uh, father, he's really good at these, uh, you know, understanding the political uh, political situation, and uh, he keeps up with that. And I'm going to let him watch out for me. I'm going to let him make the decisions. Uh, Make uh, and do, make sure that he's voting and stuff like that because he knows he knows what's going on. You can't do that. You can't uh, you can't let your milkman uh, take the responsibility or uh, or your lawyer or your doctor or the guy who is a manager at the grocery store. And you certainly cannot leave it up to your senators and congressmen, right? Because apparently that's how we got in this position to begin with. Because we have left this up to, and we entrusted them uh, with the responsibility of ensuring that our rights and freedoms are not eroded, that they don't disappear, uh, that that the government does not continue uh, to encroach into our lives, into our private lives, like some type of, of creeping virus. And yet... That's exactly where we are. Now, I'm not going to say it's 100% the fault uh, of the representatives, but the the fault lies with us because we need to ensure that our representatives are doing their jobs. So the responsibility rests squarely on each and every one of our shoulders. And by when I say responsibility... I mean, that it's up to you. You cannot look at something that bad that's happening and say, you know what, that's, it's terrible, and really something should, should be done, but what, but what can we do? You know, what can one person do? You can't, uh, you can't look at some type of a vote that's going on and say, you know, I really should vote on this, but I've got so much other stuff to do, and I know my vote's not going to make, uh, it's not going to make a difference, you're going to have to, you have to take responsibility. You have to insert yourself into the equation and make sure that you're doing your best to keep the country on an even keel. You may, like I said, you may think that you as one person are powerless in, uh, in this epic battle, but you're not. You, you are the person that has all of the power. Time, our nation's fate has hung in the balance. Every time we have found the, this country has found itself in peril, and not knowing whether we would make it to the other side of the event that we're engaged in, every time that has happened, the country has been saved not by the masses, not by the uh, majority of the people living in the nation. It has always been determined by the actions of a determined few. And that's you. That's you, that's me, that's us. We are the determined few that are going to make a difference. And I know it's hard. Believe me. I mean, I, I struggle with it all the time. 
uh, in half of the time. I think that if I weren't doing something like this, like this show, or something that that uh, then maybe I wouldn't, uh, maybe I wouldn't stay on the the street now because it's hard. It's hard to make sure that you're doing the right thing. It's hard to make sure that you're engaging yourself uh, in this process. That you're contacting your representatives and uh, and letting them know the things that they should be doing to ensure that our freedoms and liberties are safeguarded. <clears throat> it's hard to devote time, and I don't have to tell most of you guys this, because most of you guys listening are part of the Appleseed Project, which means you're already devoting a certain amount of your time, and, and for many of you, that's quite a bit of time, because for many folks uh, involved in the program, you're doing... Uh, you're already doing it. Uh, a great number of you doing a shoot uh, once a month, right? Which doesn't sound like a lot on the very top of it, but that's still 24 days. That's one twelfth almost of your year, right? Almost one twelfth of your year. I mean, out of every 12 years you're in the program, you devote one year, one solid year, 365 days to it. So I know that a lot of folks. You're already doing this. You're already devoting uh, uh, a good amount of your time. But there's still a lot that can be done. Uh, and a lot of this doesn't take a huge amount of time. Uh, ever since the program started, I've tried to let people know that that just if you just gave five minutes a day, toward pushing the program, toward uh, ensuring that our freedoms and liberties were safeguarded. If you just gave five minutes a day, you would end up with a huge amount of involvement. Uh, I don't have my calculator here in front of me, or I'll try to do some quick math and, and give you some numbers, but you can do that at home. You can do that at home. You can multiply... Uh, five minutes times 365 and see how much time that comes out to. Then multiply that by, say, uh, I don't know what the current numbers of uh, Appleseed folks are, but I believe there's around uh, 12,000 forum members. Multiply that by 12,000. And then the number you come up then turns out to be really big, a really big number. And that's with just five minutes. Five minutes per day. Uh, to do something. And it doesn't have to be something big, right? You have an email that you uh, have already written out and you just take a copy of it and you just change the address. And one day you send it to uh, your senator, your congressman. And one day uh, you take uh, uh, 60 seconds or 120 seconds uh, and you look up the address for a homeschooling group and you send it to them. Uh, one day you you take five minutes and you use that five minutes to look up the address of a Sons of the American Revolution or a Daughters of the American Revolution uh, organization in your town. It doesn't have to be far away where you got to drive somewhere. Look for it in your town and send them the email. This is this is what I'm talking about, and it very quickly adds up. And this is just five minutes. We're not talking about uh, 
uh, about trying to get you to steal away a lot more time because have uh, a lot of folks don't have a lot of time to take your vote to this. But we're just talking about five minutes. But just as if you were to uh, to put one brick a day in a wall, at the end of the year you've got uh, 365 bricks, and that turns out to be quite a lot. That's the way that these things are done. That's the way these things are won. Uh, that's what we're going to have to do. <clears throat> now, at the same time, uh, okay, hold on. Somebody's written this out for me. Uh, five minutes times 365. Uh, I'm not sure of the equation here. Uh, but you came up with 365,000 man hours. Okay. That's a lot of time. 365,000 man hours. Now, I, I'm telling you, man, that was switched on tomorrow. At the end of the year, the 365,000 man hours would make an unbelievable difference. An unbelievable difference. Uh, instead of being uh, at the goals for our our seventh and our eighth year, three hundred sixty-five thousand man hours would probably jump us to our twelfth or fifteenth year. We could probably jump ahead to the twelfth or fifteenth year. Now, I'm not even going to try and get involved in in <laughs> in the amount of a train wreck that would turn the logistics and everything else. Uh, the problem of the apple seed logistics uh, into. But you just see how just a little bit of time, one small brick, can make such a huge difference because we're going to have to do something. We've got to do something because we can't keep going on the way that we're going. The way that we're going is a disaster. It's a path that leads to a place that has no good outcome. No good outcome to it. Now, uh, we... uh, We talked uh, uh, about voluntary associations uh, with... uh, uh, with Sam D. And he did. I wanted to thank him. Sam, he did a great job in the discussion of voluntary associations. And this is this is another uh, another aspect of of what we're going to have to do to make this work. And this I know it seems like a lot of work. I mean, it seems like a, it seems like one of those things, like uh, like cleaning out the garage. You say, yeah, I know I got to clean out the garage, but good grief, uh, I'll do it when something else happens or something forces me to do it. <clears throat> and you will, all right? You will at some point. The problem is is that we are we're racing along at a really breakneck speed toward a future disaster. Uh, 
and and I don't know how much time we have before we run smack into it. Uh, if we do nothing, absolutely nothing, I think the speed at which the disaster approaches is going to increase. Uh, so we have to do something. And I know that a lot of folks, and at times I feel the same way, a lot of folks think that uh, what's the use? Uh, you know, that same the same fatalism of what's the use? Uh, we're we're going to crash. The ship's going to sink. The plane's going to crash. Uh, the, the the house is going to burn, one way or the other. And nothing that I do, or that you do, is going to have any effect on it. So so why don't I just continue on with what I'm doing, and continue on with my preps, and we'll let these sticks fall where they may. I don't think that's a good idea. And I think that if you're an apple seed, you don't think that's a good idea, or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be in the program, all right, because our program is a program of hope. It's a program of hope, and along with the hope is the idea that that we can effect some type of an impact on the future of our nation, uh, not just by making people better shots, but because of the fact that when they come to an Appleseed Project event, they we're trying to infuse them with some hope. We're going to try and put them back on track by uh, reminding them of how this nation got started and why, what the ideas that the founders had for the nation were, and, and then asking them if they think that we're holding true to those ideas and trying to get them involved in helping to safeguard the freedoms and liberties of this nation. And then, and then hoping that once we plant those seeds in them, that it's going to take root and grow and that they are going to become involved in the struggle with us. Some will and some won't. But that's the, uh, that's the whole point behind the Apple Seed Project, right, is, is planting the seeds. And we know that, uh, that Johnny Appleseed, when he went on his epic journey planting the seeds, that he put the seeds out wherever he went. He threw the seeds out. And then he did not sit there and take care of the seeds, lovingly care for the seeds, water them, uh, watch them as they grew, and then, and then uh, lay underneath the tree so that the fruits of his labor, the apples, could then fall into his mouth where he could enjoy them. No, he put the seeds out, and he moved on. Some found fertile ground, and they took root, and they grew. Some were thrown onto uh, to barren ground, and they died, or they never took root. And that's what we're doing. And, and yes, uh, you know, in the big picture, it's a numbers game because uh, – in order for you to get uh, X percentage of uh, the plants to grow, a large enough portion to to do anything, you've got to put out a lot of seeds. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put out a lot of seeds, and we're trying to get the folks involved in the who are involved in the program to push as hard as they can. And I know that uh, I've given you the analogy before that <clears throat> that it's hard to get folks to get excited about this because right now our enemy 
is not uh, it's an abstract enemy. We don't have the uh, a brigade of British redcoats in front of us that we can point to and we can say, there they are. There's the enemy, all right? There's the enemy. And our answers to the problem are very, they're, they're very limited. They're very few. We can either run or we can stand and fight. And and it's a very uh, black and white situation right now. Our current problems are very are very nebulous. And uh, I think I've, I've used the analogy before that it's it's like rust. It's like rust on the Golden Gate Bridge. And we know for a fact that rust will destroy the bridge. It will destroy the bridge, and the ten busloads of school children, elementary school children going on the field trip that are crossing the Golden Gate Bridge are going to plunge into the icy cold waters and they're going to drown. Just as sure as if uh, some jihadist had, uh, had driven a uh, plane into the bridge and tore it down or detonated a bomb there. It's the exact same thing. Now, if you saw the plane coming, or if you had the ability to stop the plane coming by shooting it down, or attacking the pilot, or shooting the uh, the uh, the IED guy, you would do that. You would do whatever you could to try and save that bridge to keep those kids from going into the icy waters. You know you would. You wouldn't be listening if you wouldn't. You would. And yet, today, that bridge is being attacked in the very same way as if there was a uh, plane load of fuel heading for it to destroy it, to push those innocent elementary school children into the icy waters. It's being destroyed exactly the same way, but it's being done from within by rust. And so how do you get excited about rust? How do, you, how do you get people excited to jump up and down and cheer and say, let's go, grab your wire brushes and the sandpaper and scrapers and a bucket of paint, and let's go? It's hard to do. And yet, as I said, the damage is going to be exactly the same. The bridge is going to fall. Guarantee it's going in the water. Those school kids don't have a chance. But we figure that we can get to it next week. Or the week after. I mean, what's a rush? It's just rust, right? It'll be there next week. We can get to it later. The only problem is, is that uh, once the rust has created enough damage, Water brushes and a bucket of paint don't fix it anymore. The whole thing has to be torn down, torn down and rebuilt. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, so, uh, so you tell me what you think the answer is. All right, hold on just a second. <coughs> Glenn from uh, Maryland, welcome to the show. You tell me what you think the answer is. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I, I love the show. I 
it, this this reminds me of uh, of uh, the movie where um, Red Dawn, when when they're speaking to the uh, the free radio, speaking into the controlled lands. Well, I live in the controlled lands here in the People's Republic of Maryland, so it's nice to get your voice <laughs> of freedom here. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to say something like the chair is against the window or John has a mustache. <laughs> well, I feel that's kind of like uh, I feel that's kind of like what I'm doing, uh, and I at times I wish like I like I was just telling you, if it was if the situation were that dire, if it were and it is, but as I said, you know the problems we face are very nebulous, very abstract. Well, they're not abstract as far as the problems are real, but the, most people feel that the solutions, their solutions to, their, to them are abstract. They can't get a grip on it. They can't, they can't solve it by going to the closet and grabbing their rifle and, and running out in the street to join the militia troop that's marching by. They can't, at least not now, and we hope not ever. But they can't solve it like that. They're going to have to do something different. And what? The, it's, it's, the answers become very confusing, and it becomes a lot, a lot of times a lot more than involved with, but yet the only way this is going to get fixed is by folks getting involved. And well, we talked, uh, people have people have to wake up, and, and they need to start thinking critically, and they need to stop playing Candy Crush, and they need to stop watching reality TV, and they need to read books and and just take control back again. I mean, they're, they're, the government's completely out of control, and they're just doing whatever they want. And it seems like all this reality TV is the is the uh, you know the bread and circuses that the Romans had. Although it was very real back then, at least now it's scripted reality TV, but it has the same effect. Yeah, I have to laugh whenever whenever I hear them saying it's reality TV because it, it's about as far from real as you can get. Oh, uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, the History Channel has <laughs> gone completely away from history to. I mean, you almost have to watch the Military Channel or History 2 now anymore to get any history on the History Channel because it's all Pawn Stars, which, you know, is entertaining, but it's it's not history. Well, you know, uh, like I said earlier on in the show, is that there there is a solution. And it is, uh, it's not an easy one. And it's not a, it's not a, uh, on the face of it, it's not a simple one. But yet it's not that hard. And that is by, by, by all of the citizens understanding that we have to take a, uh, a personal role in this, that we can't delegate it to somebody else. We, we have to take uh, an individual role in it and 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 not everybody is going to understand or accept that at once. I myself spent many years thinking that I didn't have a part to play anymore. You know, when I came back from overseas I thought, okay, well here it is. You know, I just did I just did you know, six years of service for my country. I did, you know, a bunch of dirty, nasty, filthy stuff and that should give me a free ride, uh, you know, for the next forever. And so that's how I thought about it. And uh, and I realize now what how stupid 
uh, a belief that was. There is no free ride. Nobody ever does enough. You, you never fulfill your obligations completely. You always have a non-delegated, open-ended responsibility to ensuring that the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation, that they are safeguarded forever and ever and ever. And you don't have to quit your job and and go full-time uh, in this endeavor. All you have to do, like I said, is make a serious commitment to say, okay, look, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to do just a couple of things. One, I'm going to join some organization. I'm going to join some organization so that I become uh, a force multiplier for that organization, and I, in some way, am joined up in some structured organization that is trying to do something positive to help the nation. For myself, one of the main things that I do is apple seed. That was my choice. And for a lot of you folks listening, that has been your choice. That's what you're doing. Okay, that's great. Now, on top of that, if you can just uh, make a commitment to do just a few minutes uh, on top of that and keep that uh, in the front of your mind, which is saying, okay, I've got to uh, do something to keep this uh, to keep this idea current and keep it keep it moving. Uh, and some of this can be done. I see a lot of folks posting stuff in places like uh, Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. I'm not going to dog that because uh, I think that is one of the things that has helped these ideas come to the forefront of the nation, uh, the exposure that they get on social media. But that can't be the limit of your involvement because writing down we need to change the government and clicking a button and having it uh, you know, committed to electronic uh, foreverness is good, but it really doesn't do much. I mean, it, 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 the more other people see, uh, they, they see each other getting involved, then that's good. But just writing something down and hitting the submit button and posting it on a social media, that can't be that can't be the end of your involvement. You need to go a little bit further. And and taking five minutes to write an email or make a phone call to your representatives is a perfect way to get started. It's a perfect way to, uh, you know, to to get involved. And you don't have to get, you don't have to engage them in debate. You don't have to uh, uh, to rewrite the Constitution uh, or develop some brand new legislation. All you have to do is take a quick five minutes and write a letter to your representative and say, uh, dear representative, uh, these are the things I need. Uh, I need you to ensure that my Second Amendment rights are not infringed. I need you to ensure uh, that uh, the right of freedom of speech uh, is not uh, encroached on uh, by whatever means, uh, whatever means necessary. Uh, the things that that you yourself as an individual need from your representative, you can let them know. 
Uh, if they're doing a great job, let them know. If they're doing a poor job, let them know. Uh, if there are some things that are complete deal breakers for you with them, let them know. And and I'm not saying to threaten them because you should never uh, you should never get to to that kind of a discourse. But you should let your representative know that if, if you have deal breakers, you should let them know about them. Uh, I think it's only fair. If you if you say, uh, dear representative. Uh, if you vote against uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms in any way, for me, that's, uh, that alone by itself is a deal breaker. That means that come next election time, no matter who, no matter who is running against you, I'm going to vote for them. Because if you are not going to protect my rights, then then what do I? Who do I care? What's uh, who is uh, is elected? If you're not going to represent me, then I'll take anybody else. And then you have to act on that, and you have to actually do it. You can't just uh, make the uh, – you can't just challenge them or make that statement. You have to go through with it. So, yeah, it does get a little rough in places. Uh, you're going to have to make some decisions, and some of them are not going to be – some of them may not be happy ones. But in order for us – to try and wrest some control back, uh, to try and somehow right this ship, then we may end up having to do some things that we don't really like. But I guarantee you that that any of these things like this are going to be better than the things that the colonists faced on uh, April 19, 1775. Those guys, if you would have asked them or told them, Look, guys, here's your choices. You can take five minutes a day out of your day and get involved, uh, personally involved, in helping to restore government, or we can all meet down the green uh, on the 19th, and we'll get into a shooting war with the Redcoats. Oh, and by the way, uh, there are not any type of... uh, of life flight helicopters, there is no health insurance. In fact, we really don't have any doctors whatsoever in the whole country, uh, or actually in the world for that matter at this point. We will maybe in a couple hundred years. Right now, we don't have any doctors, all right? So you just have to deal with that. Uh, if you get shot in any bones, we're going to cut off uh, whatever bone it was. We're going to cut off your legs, your arms. We're going to burn your house down. We're going to starve your wife and kids. And uh, that's your choice. So one or the other, which one is it going to be? You would find that most of them would say, get, go get the pen, go get the quill and the inkwell. Because, God forbid, uh, we allow it to get to the point where a lot of folks who call themselves patriots are talking about you have folks all the time saying, "Yes, you know, by gosh, we'll, you know, we'll grab our our muskets and we'll march on on Washington. Uh, we will we will fight in the streets if necessary. Man, why make it necessary? Why make that necessary? None of these folks are thinking this equation through. They're they're watching movies like The Patriot or Red Dawn or something like that, and they're thinking." 
that it's glorious. Listen, man, I can I can guarantee absolute to you. There's nothing glorious about getting in a sheet in war. Not a thing. Maybe the only thing that might be glorious about it is the ride to it. Uh, when you're on the uh, when you're on the uh, now you're being a Blackhawk. I was going to say when you're in the Huey or whenever you're in the uh, the, the 47 uh, or something else, going to it and psyching yourself up. Maybe that's glorious. Maybe. Uh, I remember a lot of people throwing up. There's absolutely nothing glorious getting shot about your buddies getting shot. About shooting other people. So all of the patriots might want to think about that now while we have the opportunity to do it in a different way. I totally agree with you. I think that's a a great uh, way to look at it. Um, I have joined a local Campaign for Liberty organization. I gave a talk on the Second Amendment, and uh, I've become an NRA instructor, and I'd like to get involved with the Appleseed. I mean, I definitely want to get involved. Are you part? Are you part of Appleseed? No, but I want to be. I'd love to get involved with that because I I have all. I, I'm a teacher, so I have summers off. I have the ability to do that all summer. It would be a lot of fun. Well, we're holding you back. We got a lot of uh, we got a lot of good folks in uh, Maryland. We've got uh, well, let's see, who do we have? I was just thinking to say OG, but he's in Maine. Uh, is it is, if there's anybody in the chat that knows who we have in Maryland that we can put uh, Glenn in touch with? Because uh, we got him on the phone now. He said he's ready to go. Listen, if not, uh, I'll give out. I'll give you my email in just a second. You can email me, and I'll get you. Uh, I'll personally get you uh, uh, connected with whoever we have locally there. And if we don't have anybody local. Then, Glenn, we will put you in charge of Maryland, and we'll get you would, in charge of uh, of getting the state in shape. That would be pretty yeah. cool, because I'd like to do it. Well, we are ready, because uh, Maryland's one of the uh, one of the one of the key uh, states there. Now, and that reminds me tonight. Uh, I want to make sure that I talk about what I put in the topic because I, a lot of times I get uh, I get sidetracked. Uh, all of you, all of you from the Appleseed Project, know that the April nineteenth is an important date. Some Americans know uh, know this. The majority don't because if you if you ask people, the majority of folks say, "Hey." You know, when the American Revolutionary War started, people go, oh, yeah, that's 1776. Shot heard around the world, dude. And that's what they think. That's when they think it happened. Now, we know that 1776 is simply when the Declaration of Independence was finally, it finally came out in the open and uh, and was released. And... 1775, April, 18, April 19, 1775, is the actual birthday of our nation. That is when the the folks 
started the fire. They lit the three matches and started the fire, which began eight long years of the American Revolutionary War. However, one of the things that we ask uh, at Appleseed Events is when was the when did the American Revolution start and when was the American Revolution won? And that's a trick question. Because the American Revolution and the American Revolutionary War are two different things. The American Revolutionary War had a beginning and then ending. It started because it had a need and then it ended because that that need or that goal was achieved. The American Revolution had begun long before the war, and the American Revolution was not meant to end. It was designed, it was meant to be a continual uh, expansion of the freedoms and liberties for the folks in this nation. Now, I'm not talking about individual freedoms and liberties. I'm talking about collective freedoms and liberties and individual responsibilities. All right? That's, these are, it's a little bit of a different thing. I'm not talking about each and every man's uh, freedom to do the things he wants to do and to pursue uh, life, liberty, and happiness. I'm talking about uh, each and every man's responsibility to ensure that we as a nation remain free, that we as a nation uh, attain the ability to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. And that's kind of two different things. That's not, those are not the same things. Uh, individual freedom is not the same thing as individual responsibility. The American Revolution started long before 1775. Now, a lot of folks didn't see it uh, as they didn't equate the uh, American Revolution with American independence nation. They didn't see those two things as the same thing. They wanted their freedoms and liberties, but they wanted it under uh, uh, under the guise of uh, being free, having their freedoms and liberties in the same way that the British citizens under the British Constitution had theirs. And when that could not happen, uh, after the first year of the war, then it was determined that the only, the only way they were going to achieve true liberty was by unhooking themselves from England and becoming a separate nation. So, so the American Revolutionary War began on April 19, 1775, and then ended in 1783. <clears throat> Now, the fighting and stuff, the majority of the fighting uh, had uh, ended by 1779-1780, especially on the continent. Uh, There was still a lot of stuff that had to be worked at, and we still remained in a state of war uh, 
as England and France were finishing sorting it out, especially in the uh, Indian Ocean and uh, uh, in Europe. <clears throat> but we did finally end in 1783, and we became an independent and sovereign nation. Uh, but April 8 was an important day, too. April 18th was a day that colonists uh, in the, the the colonists there in the the colonies uh, decided that the king's uh, heavy-handedness in the colonies was too much to bear, and that the British troops who were stationed there, stationed in Boston, who had shut the city down, that it was too much to bear. And they actually gathered together on uh, April 17th, and they appeared in mass in Boston, uh, thousands and thousands of armed militia, and they arrested the governor and put him on a ship and sent him out. Uh, this was after taking the after they besieged and took the fort in uh, New York. The only thing is, this April 18th was in 18. Uh, I mean, in uh, 16. Uh, 89, almost uh, uh, almost eight decades before 1775. The seeds of the American Revolution, uh, you know, when we talk about the American Revolution to folks at Appleseed, Right. We usually try, at least I try and keep some of the guys from going too far back because, uh, you know, they'll start, uh, you know, in the 1740s uh, and uh, the 1760s and talking about it. But but the seeds of the American Revolutionary War uh, were, are actually, were actually very old, almost 100 years old, by the time it erupted into an American Revolutionary War. Uh, in the 1680s, King Charles of England uh, began taking steps to, to kind of reorganize uh, the colonies that were there in England. Now, the Charter of the Massachusetts, Massachusetts uh, uh, Bay Colony uh, ended up getting revoked in 1684. After the folks that the, the folks that were ruling the colony there, they were Puritans. You know, each of the colonies uh, was started out uh, under its own uh, religious charter, as well as its own governmental charter. Uh, you know, each of the colonies had a different religious bent to them, and the Massachusetts Bay Colony was a Puritan uh, uh, colony. Now, after the uh, the uh, Puritan uh, rulers there refused to act on the 
demands of King Charles to reform the colonies because Charles wanted to uh, he wanted to kind of streamline uh, the administration of all of the the smaller colonies and bring them more closely under his own control, his own the control of the crown. Uh, they refused to. Uh, they didn't want the king's involvement. But in 1686, the former governor of New York, Sir Edmund Andros, was appointed as the Dominion governor. And when I say Dominion, the Dominion was composed of the territories of the Massachusetts Bay, which includes uh, Connecticut, New Hampshire, uh, and the Rhode Island colonies. And uh, in 1688, the jurisdiction was uh, was expanded by the king and by uh, Governor Andrews to include New York and uh, East and West Jersey. Now, Andros's rule was was very unpopular in New England. Uh, he completely disregarded local representation. He denied the validity of existing land titles in Massachusetts. And these are the charters which, uh, which granted the colonies their, their land and their territories. And, and he was saying that they were not valid. Now, you've got to understand that's a very, uh, that's a very scary thing to hear, that you're the, the documentation which gives you the right uh, to the, the the lands that you're working on is not valid. I'm just I'm just going to tell you that it's not valid. Uh, this caused a great deal of anxiety in the colonies. <clears throat> in addition to this, he told the folks that they could no longer have uh, town meetings. Uh, they only needed a one town meeting a year. And you guys know, uh, from the, at least from a lot of the stories that I've uh, that I've relayed to you here on the show, that if there was anything that the colonists loved uh, more than life itself, it was town meetings, meetings, and the ability to to speak with each other and debate with each other is one of the things that they loved more than life itself. And he and Governor Andros was telling him they didn't know they no longer needed to do this. They no longer needed the town meetings. He was trying to restrict them to one meeting a year. In addition to this, he was actively promoting the Church of England in in really what amounted to, to mainly Puritan regions of the colonies. In addition, he enforced the Navigation Acts. Now these were laws that that threatened uh, the existence, the actual existence, the very existence of a lot of the trading practices uh, of New England. What the the Crown was trying to do was saying, look, and now this happened again uh, in the 1760s and 70s, but it started out in the 1680s. The Crown was saying, look, you guys, you are not to trade with anyone other than the Crown. You're going to send your uh, uh, your goods to us here at a reduced price, and then you're only going to buy from us at 
a high price, including high taxes. So the colonists who could, they could have bought goods and services, uh, say, from the Dutch or the French or the Spanish or, or any number of uh, trading partners at lower prices. They were now forbidden to do so. They were forbidden to sell their wares to these at higher prices than what they could get from the crown. They were restricted to trading with the crown. Now, I don't think anybody has to be told how unfair and how, how ludicrous this is. To say, look, yeah, you might be able to get, uh, say, a dollar a bushel for your goods uh, if you sell them to the Dutch or to the French. But we're not going to allow that. Instead, you're going to sell them for a nickel a bushel to us. And uh, and this this put a uh, it put a terrible uh, it cost the the colonists a terrible price. It destroyed many families, uh, uh, businesses. Uh, the Royal troops uh, who were stationed in Boston were used to enforce this. So almost a uh, hundred years before the American Revolutionary War, they had uh, British troops stationed in Boston in order uh, in order to enforce the law. Now, meanwhile, in England, King James is becoming increasingly unpopular there. He's alienated uh, many of his supporters, uh, including Tories, uh, with a lot of the work he was doing, including trying to relax the penal laws. Uh, he, uh, he was, he increased the power of the regular army, uh, which was, which was kind of seen as a threat by a lot of the folks in Parliament, because you know, if the king if the king makes the army there in the country stronger, and he is the commander in chief of the army, then the folks in parliament are seeing that as a threat, saying, "Look, he's he's trying to to bully us with the army." Uh, the uh, the end result of this was that the religious religious leaders of the uh, Massachusetts Bay Colonies. Uh, this was uh, both Cotton and Increase Mather, and you guys have heard of Cotton Mather and Increase Mather. These guys were opposed to the rule of Andros as the governor there, and they organized uh, uh, they organized dissent, which was, which was actually targeted to influence the court in London. But after King James published the Declaration of Indulgence. Increased Mather sent a letter to the king, which was regarding the Declaration of Indulgence, and suggested to the other Massachusetts Bay Colony pastors that they also express gratitude to the king as a means to gain favor and influence. Now, the folks did this, but, uh, but even so, this still did not help. Uh, and eventually, the folks in the colony decided that the only thing that was going to fix this was going to be to remove the governor. And uh, the uh, the 
rumors of an impending uh, revolution uh, had reached uh, some of the folks in Boston before uh, the official news from London had arrived. And there was uh, uh, Governor Andros first received a warning of the revolt against the control while leading expedition to fortify Pemaquid, which is today is, is Bristol in Maine. And he was intending to protect the area uh, against French and Indian attacks, but he received a letter from King James describing the Dutch military buildup uh, that, in that area. Now, on January 10th, he issued a proclamation warning against Protestant agitation and prohibiting an uprising against the Dominion. You will, there will not, I'm not going to allow an uprising against the Dominion, so don't even try it. The military force that uh, he was leading in Maine was composed mainly of British regulars and militia from the Massachusetts and Maine areas. Now, the militia companies were commanded by the British regulars. And the British regulars were treating the militiamen uh, very harshly. They very imposed a very harsh discipline. And remember, these guys... These guys were not uh, regular soldiers. They were militiamen from the colonies. Uh, so eventually uh, what happened was around 5 o'clock on April 18th, militia companies began gathering outside of Boston at Charleston, just across the Charles River and at Roxbury, uh, Roxbury, we know that if you look at a map, you'll see Roxbury located at the far end of that, uh, above Boston Neck, which connects Boston to the mainland. Now, at about 8 a.m., the Charleston companies boarded boats and crossed the river, while the Roxbury companies marched down the neck and into the city. Now, simultaneously, uh, additional folks from the Ancient and Honorable Artillery Company, and we know this from uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, who would later uh, be in this unit. They entered the homes of the regimental drummers in the city. They confiscated their gear. Uh, then, joined by a growing mob, the militia companies met up at about 8.30, and they began arresting the Dominion and regimental leaders. They eventually surrounded Fort Mary, where Andros, where the governor was quartered, among the first few arrested was Captain John George of the HMS Rose. And he came ashore from, uh, he was on the ship, which was anchored there in the harbor. He came ashore between 9 and 10, where he was met by a platoon of militia and the ship's carpenter, who had joined the rebels. When he demanded to see an arrest warrant, the militiamen drew their swords. They took him into custody. Now, by about 10 o'clock, most of the Dominion and military officials uh, had either been arrested or had fled Castle Island or 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 many of the other fortified outposts. Remember the 1688. I mean, uh, 1689. Uh, and Boston was not as big as it was almost 100 years later. But there were still several fortified outposts uh, within the city and uh, peripheral to it. Uh, the 
sometime before noon, they had an orange flag, and they raised it on Beacon Hill there in Boston, and that was a signal for another 1,500 militiamen to enter the city. Those troops entered the city. They all formed up together in Market Square. And there, there was a, de- a declaration was read, and in the declaration, their leaders claimed to support the noble undertaking of the Prince of Orange, and to rise up because of a horrid, popish plot that had been uncovered. <laughs> I laugh because because of the drama, the drama that you know is infused into this. Now the old. Massachusetts colonial leadership, which was headed by the ex-governor Simon Bradstreet, had urged Governor Andrews to surrender for his own safety. Uh, If he surrendered, it would be different because apparently the militia was not going to give up, and if need be, they were going to uh, they were going to besiege the fort and begin uh, uh, active hostilities against it. He refused. Instead, he tried to uh, escape and get offshore to the to HMS Rose. A, a boat that came ashore from the Rose uh, was intercepted by the militia, and Andrews had to scurry back into Fort Mary. Negotiations began, and finally, uh, Andrew, Andrews agreed to leave the fort and to meet with the rebel council if they uh, guaranteed to provide him safe conduct. He was marching the guard to the townhouse where the, the council members and the militia leaders had assembled. There, he was told that they must and would have the government in their own hands, that he's under arrest, and that was it. He was then taken to the home of the Dominion official, John Usher, and held under close watch. The Rose and Fort William on Castle Island refused to submit, uh, surrender immediately. But on the 19th, when the ship's crew of the Rose was told that their captain had planned to take the ship to France to join the exiled James, uh, there was a struggle that ensued aboard the ship, and uh, the Protestants among the crew took down the ship's rigging. And once they did that, the troops uh, on uh, Castle Island and at uh, Fort William they saw that the rigging had been taken down on the HMS Rose, and they figured that that was that the jig was up, and they surrendered. Now, after the Fort Mary fell on the 19th, uh, Andrus was moved there from uh, from Usher's house, and he was confined there with uh, Joseph Dudley and the other defendant Dominion officials until the 7th, June 7th, uh, when he transferred back to Castle Island. Uh, now, there was a story that he attempted an, an escape dress in women's clothing. But uh, but this is not a, a substantiated uh, story. Now, when the other New England colonies uh, in what was then termed the Dominion uh, were informed of the, end, of the overthrow of Andros, uh, the pre-Dominion colonial authorities uh, they began to restore their former governments to power. They were the governments that Andrews had removed. And uh, uh, Rhode Island and Connecticut resumed uh, governance under their earlier charter, and Massachusetts resumed governance according to its vacated charter uh, after being temporarily governed by a committee 
composed of magistrates, uh, Massachusetts Bay officials, and a majority majority of Andros' council. These were all folks that Andros uh, had put in charge of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And they they kind of removed those folks and reverted back to their original charter. Uh, so this is not the American Revolutionary. Now, the Boston Revolution of uh, uh, 1689 really didn't last more than a day. Uh, and their goals were not the goals of the folks who began the revolution in 1775. But we see that a lot of the reasons that there was a revolution in the first place were, were really close to being the same. Now, certainly in 1689, there was the, the, the term uh, no taxation without representation had not been coined yet. They wanted some of the same things, and that is they wanted to govern themselves. They wanted to govern themselves. Uh, that was the whole point that they went there. They wanted to govern themselves, and uh, and they were being refused the right to do so. Uh, it didn't work in 1689. It didn't work in 1775, and it's not working now. The founders who appoint whose work that this nation was created, they have left us with the responsibilities that when the government is no longer uh, serving in its capacity uh, that it was meant to, that it's, we don't just have a right to remove the government. We have a duty to remove the government. I'm not saying that that's where we're at yet, although I swear... Uh, and I'm sure this will make some people mad, but <clears throat> I don't care if there's an R or a D in front of any of their names. I don't think a single one of them uh, any longer care about what they're supposed to be doing. I don't think that they genuinely care. Maybe some of them do. Maybe some of the younger ones, or maybe some of the ones that have uh, kind of uh, ricocheted into... Uh, uh, into their positions or something somehow. Maybe they start out that way. Uh, but but none of them are none of them are doing it anymore. Our current form of government is not running in the way it was meant to. We were not meant to have to go uh, to our representatives on bended knee and beg a boon of them and be grateful they have heard our uh, our pleas. They are meant to serve us. They are meant to do uh, they are meant to do their jobs so that it serves the nation, 
not so that it serves their party. They're meant to do their jobs so that it strengthens the positions of the peoples of the nation, not so that it strengthens the power of their parties. The two-party system shall be the death of this nation. Those are the words of George Washington. And apparently, he saw this coming from hundreds of years ago. And it is. This two-party system is killing us. Uh, the, the folks no longer care who is right or who is good as long as it's the right people that are good for their party. They don't care about the things that, that make our lives, uh, I don't want to say easier, because our lives don't have to be easier. It just has to be right. It has to be right for the nation. And I don't think that, I don't think that that is at the top of their list when they're figuring these things out anymore. I think that the top of their list is what is best for the party, what is best for our party. This is completely polarizing the nation. The the each the respective parties to lever in to power folks that should never ever have been in government. Some of these folks some of these folks should be in prison. Uh, and yet, they end up getting into power. Why? Because you have the one side that says, yes, we know. We know this guy is not a great guy. Yes, we know. Matter of fact, he's really kind of a mean and nasty guy. And yes, you're right. He probably should be in prison. But if you don't vote him in, it means the other guys get in. And we can't allow that. Well, why can't we? Why can't we allow it? Why can't we allow the best guy to do the job, no matter what his, uh, the prefix is? Uh, I don't see, uh, I thought that was the whole point of it. I thought that was the whole point of this electing thing, is to get the best guy, not to get our guy or their guy, but to get the best guy. And what if he's not in either party? What if he just happens to be a guy? How about getting that one in? I don't think the government is representing us the way it was meant to. And what does that mean? That means it's not just our right. It means our, it's our duty to change this government out for one that's working. It's not going to be easy. And it may not work at all. You know, every once in a while I'll tell you guys that a lot of times I feel like that we are, we're in, a, we're in an old uh, Ford Apache pickup truck, all of us. We're all crammed in the front seat. We got, the, we got 30 guys crammed in the back. They're hanging off the bumper. We're flying down the gravel road right beside the railroad track. I got it floored. The most I can get up is about 75 with all you guys in the truck. 
got it floored. It's smoking. I got steam coming out of the radiator. The engine's smoking. We're racing beside the train, and we're trying to get to the crossover before the train does. And I don't know if we're going to get there in time or not. I don't know. But but I can't give up. Well, none of us can. And that's one of the things that, that's one of the, the creeds of the Appleseed Project is that if you're down in the bottom of the Titanic and you're there with a bucket bailing, then, and there, there's no land to step out onto, okay? So give up that notion that you're just, you're going to jump out. You're down there bailing and you're saying, well, how long am I going to bail? Okay, are you going to bail till the water gets to your knees? Or are you going to throw the towel in and give up? No, we expect you to bail till the water gets to your knees. Well, what about to your waist? Well, what else are you going to do? Where else are you going to go? What if I want to get to your chest? You're going to keep bailing? You don't have a whole lot of other alternatives. You can go up back up on deck. You can go up back up on deck because there's a band up there playing on because what they're doing is they're denying that there's a problem. They're just, they, they've, they've pulled back into themselves and they're just going to play uh, music and they're all going to deny that there's a problem if the ship is sinking. You can grab a seat with them. Maybe you order a drink. The bar's probably still open. What about when the water gets up to your chin? Are you going to keep bailing? Are you going to give up? Because what are your alternatives? Do you have a, do you have any? If you do, tell me what they are. Maybe I want to maybe I want to get in your boat because mine's not looking so good. What about when the water gets right under your nose and all you can do is the nose out of the water? Are you going to keep bailing then? Because because there is no other alternative except to give up. I'll tell you right now that nobody ever, nobody ever turned the tide of battle and snatched victory from the jaws of defeat by giving up. It's never happened. They don't have any choice. I mean, you do, right? You do have a choice. You can do nothing. You can go sit with the band. You can order a drink. Or you can do something about it. All right? You can do something about it. And remember, I'm not asking anybody to stand in ranks and to catch a walnut-sized chunk of lead in their forehead. If you want to do that, you can. And one of the ways to do that is by doing nothing. And that will eventually be what happens. Maybe not to you. It won't happen to you. Maybe it will happen to your kids. Maybe you'll be dead in the grave, and your kids will be left with this legacy to deal with, or your grandkids. Now, I want you to look at that picture in your wallet of your grandkids, how, how sweet they look, and ask yourself if you want to leave them the legacy of standing in ranks. Wouldn't you rather take care of it yourself? My God, I know I, I would. If that had to, if that 
had to be the answer, if that had to be the only resolution, then that's what I would want to do. But it's not the only answer. We can do something about it now, but we need you guys to help. We need you guys to help us. Glenn, what are you guys teaching in uh, school about the American uh, Revolution? First thing I like to teach is what were the British searching for when they went into Lexington and Concord, and uh, what were their orders, and it was to disarm the American colonists, and that really sets the stage. I said that's where the Second Amendment was born, at Lexington and Concord, and yet at that point, you know, it, it, we were very lucky that not more of the, of the militiamen got shot that day facing that professional army. And then right. it turned into a free-for-all when uh, when the British tried to march back. Everybody came in to take a shot at them on the way back, and uh, they were lucky they got back in one piece. Okay, so your, your school isn't one of the ones that's teaching that, uh, that there were uh, – uh, American terrorists and insurgents uh, at work in the colonies. No, 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 not terrorists or insurgents. <laughs> freedom. I mean, if, if, uh, some, I'm sure somebody's teaching it that way, but uh, that I definitely wouldn't characterize it as that. Well, you, I think that you can find in some of the writings, even from uh, from the folks there at. Uh, uh, on April 19th, uh, you can you can see some of the uh, some of the roots uh, for uh, for the, uh, the Bill of Rights that we have. You have uh, the reports uh, from the people in Concord who talk about the soldiers coming in and beginning to search the house. And the way they write it is, and so the soldiers came in and they began to search the houses without warrant. And so there you have the, uh, I think certainly a strong argument for, uh, for the anger that would turn around to be one of the reasons that we have uh, restrictions against unreasonable search and seizure uh, because because they had no right to come and search the house without warrant. And uh, uh, I think that is certainly a good way to go about uh, to go about teaching it. Now I know that probably that uh, you guys have probably a little bit uh, probably a more extended uh, history, historical coverage of that, being that uh, you're right there in New England uh, than a lot of the other states. How much time do you guys uh, give to, to teaching about the American Revolutionary War and about the American Revolution? Uh, it, it's it's pretty uh, significant um, portion of, of their time that they that they get it. Um, they have two years to do U.S. history, which is which is good. They they get the uh, first part in eighth grade and the second part in ninth grade. It's not they get a pretty good background in history. A whole year of government, 
um, economics. So it's pretty pretty well-rounded education. How did you hear about uh, the Appleseed Project, and, and how did you hear about this radio show? Uh, I heard about the Appleseed Project uh, in Shotgun News. It was uh, the the Fred's page, big great big page, Fred's rifle stocks. I read about it in, in his other side, like his second page, uh, that he talks about uh, different political topics. I read about that. Uh, read about the Appleseed Project there, and I found your your uh, podcast. I'm I'm a big podcast guy, and I was just searching around on iTunes one night and found it and. Uh, Love it. I love it. It's great. I've been listening to you for about a month and a half now, and I've really enjoyed the uh, the show on corruption. In fact, I put a, a little video up on your Facebook page from a clip from Syriana when they talk about corruption because I just think it's, it's perfect. Uh, I, I hope you got to take a look at that. Yeah, they've got, uh, they've got a, a documentary out now. I recommend it to folks called The District of Corruption. And I think it would be well worth folks' time taking a look at that because they they document uh, the – and corruption in government, believe me, folks, this is nothing new. This didn't happen in the last, uh, the last uh, six years or the last ten years or even in the last hundred. Corruption in government has been present ever since there has been government. It's just the level of corruption and the uh, the amount of corruption that our government currently feels they can get away with, which is a lot. Us, a lot of people think, well, you know, that's a government, and they're yeah, they're corrupt, but you know, it's not really affecting me. But believe me, it's affecting you. Every time the government uh, spends. Uh, Fifty billion here or a hundred billion there. Believe me, it's affecting you because the government has no way to make money. The only way the government has money can get money is by taking it from you at the point of a gun, if necessary. So every time their corruption spreads and they spend uh, the money illegally. It's money that they have taken from you so that they can spend it illegally. Now, I would think that you would want to do something about that. And is is figuring out uh, what the government is doing. Now, you don't have to become a uh, a complete scholar on this. But you do have to be aware of what the government is doing. And I know this is another one of those things that, uh, that certainly it puts people off. And it does me, believe me. I, I hate reading about the things that the government is doing. Number one, uh, they've made it so that, that it, it's like a, a dense jungle that you have to get out uh, not just one machete, but you have to get out five machetes to try and hack through the, the dense undergrowth so that you can see what's going on. Because uh, even even some simple uh, uh, bills and uh, simple legislation is not simple at all. Uh, it's 
it's very uh, ambiguous or disingenuous, uh, and it's certainly not a pleasurable thing to do. But the alternative is is sticking your head in the sand and letting them do what they want because they've made it confusing or they made it hard to understand and just letting it go. And and that's not going to be something that we can do because because I'm telling you we we're the currently the government financial position we are racing toward disaster as fast as we can i mean we're speeding toward disaster now just because it hasn't happened uh to the degree it did back in uh during the Great Depression, just because that hasn't happened lately, doesn't mean it can't happen again. Because uh, from from everything that we're doing, the out-of-control spending, uh, the uh, the uh, the uncontrolled spending, that's exactly where we're headed. And if we don't do something about it, that we're we're going to crash and burn, and there is no other there is no other alternative. Would that there were, but there's not. And and I do want to tell you that while you are while you're doing your work on trying to help get this sorted out, that it's also important that you are doing your work to ensure that your family is uh, protected if something should happen. And by that, I mean, you know, we talk quite a bit here on, on prepping. And we've gone through, uh, we've gone through just about uh, everything that we can to make sure that you understand the, uh, the five pillars of self-preparedness, uh, food, water, shelter, energy, and security. You should be working on this uh, every single day. You should be working on ensuring that uh, you and your family are working toward being self-reliant. And uh, I don't mean that uh, everybody has to have a cow and some goats and chickens and, and stuff like that. I mean, you should be making sure that uh, if they turn off the lights tomorrow, that you wouldn't be stuck with just four hours' worth of food and water. All right? You should be working on ensuring that that you have a plan and that you are working on the plan uh, every day to make sure that you're taking steps every day Put yourself in a position where if they did turn off the lights tomorrow, if they turned off the Internet and they turned off the gas and, and everything else, through, through uh, natural or man-made disasters, that yourself and your loved ones uh, would not be placed in immediate peril. All right? Now, we'll continue to have shows on this throughout the year. Uh, because that's one of the 
that's one of the things that I think is important. So one of the ways that I, that I plan to use the radio show is to keep putting out information uh, on prepping and stuff for lunch because I believe it's a very important topic. So you should be doing that as well every day. But uh, you can't keep your head in the sand, all right? You're going to have to seek out information about what's going on uh, in the government, and you're going to have to be doing what you can to ensure that the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation are safeguarded. Now, we'll continue to have shows about this throughout the year, about uh, the specific things you can do, but you guys are grown men and women. I, I shouldn't, we shouldn't have to tell you the things that you do. Americans, uh, Americans are not uh, renowned for their inabilities. We're renowned for our ingenuity, for our ability to get things done, for our stick-to-itiveness. That's what's made this country a great nation, is Americans having the ability and using that ability uh, to be self-starters, to be motivators. I, I, I don't want to tell you things that you need to do. I just want to tell you that things need to be done and that we are in peril. I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that our ship is sinking or that we're or that we're in the middle of a disaster. Uh, I think you guys are smart enough to see this yourself. I don't think you need me to tell you. I think that you can see it. I think that folks, I think right now, folks, uh, without me telling, without anybody telling them, I think that they understand that there are problems and that we are in a very difficult and dangerous place in our nation's history. And that if we don't do something, then we're going to, we're going to reap the rewards of doing nothing. And I feel that this is going to be, it has a potential for being an unbelievable disaster. And I, you know, and would that would that I could see into the future. I mean, even five minutes into the future, I'd go stand in front of a lottery desk. But I don't have that power. All I can tell you is that that's is that is what the information that I'm currently reading leads me to believe, and that is that that we are at a very dangerous place in our nation's history. And that if we don't do something, then we're going to be we're going to be uh, in danger of losing our way of life as a nation. I hope that folks understand that this can happen. That just because we've always had freedom and liberty, we always will, is not. Uh, 
is not a fact. Just because we've always had uh, the freedoms in this nation doesn't mean we always will. Uh, look at all the other nations in the last hundred years who have thought that. Uh, look at all of the other nations in the last hundred years who have thought that they could never, that nothing like this could ever happen to them. Don't think that just because, just because uh, we are cultured and sophisticated uh, nation that, uh, uh, and I say that partially tongue in cheek, that this can't happen to us. Look at uh, Germany in uh, the 1930s. There was not a more cultured, more uh, science-driven, more work ethic-driven nation uh, on the planet than Germany. And yet it happened to them. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that we are too smart for that to happen to us again. That it can't. It can't happen to us because we're America. certainly can happen to us. It certainly can. The only way it won't is if we don't allow it. So I'm asking you guys uh, to help us to help not allow it. Now, uh, one of the guys in the uh, in the chat just this thing uh, says that the nature of government is control. Well, certainly it is, because uh, the nature of any entity is to expand its control uh, for self-preservation. That is the nature of any entity. Every every government is really no different almost than a living creature. It's going to try and continue to grow, continue to expand its power, expand its influence, and then to do everything within its uh, abilities to defend itself uh, in any and every way possible. And that's what government is doing now. Government is encroaching into every single aspect of our lives, every single aspect of our lives. Can't go and get a uh, a large soda in some cities because well that's just not right. Now maybe maybe in some way I can understand remotely uh, how they might think things like that were okay, but it's not. We are we are in many cases voluntarily giving up control of our lives to the government. Now, when you listen to the show that uh, that Sam uh, was talking to you guys about, one of the one of the answers uh, to getting ourselves out of this situation is to make sure that we pull government down from a a uh, a far away national aspect and try and regain control of it by making 
government local to us, making government local to us, getting involved in it, and then making government local, making the decisions that are going to affect our lives, making those decisions, uh, generating them locally, and retaining control of those decisions locally. How is it going to happen? I, I wish I had a good answer for this. I don't, other than than you getting involved locally and making sure that you're doing everything you can uh, to see that government remains local. Uh, and one of the best ways to get this to do this to get it started is to make sure that any of the folks that are being fed into the, the government. Uh, apparatus into the pipeline uh, that are starting out or early in their careers locally to you, uh, that they are the right folks. That means you you don't just vote in presidential elections. you got to vote in every single election uh, that you can vote in. I mean, if, if there is uh, school boards, all of, if there is city council, anything that you can uh, exert control over, to ensure that you are involved in it, hating it. Yeah, roll up a newspaper and whack the government. It's one of one of the folks uh, <laughs> has put in the, the chat. Now, I'm not saying that's ridiculous because he, he's saying in the context of of training a puppy <clears throat> and uh, uh, and making sure that uh, you know that it's being trained up right. And, uh, and now he's asking to get out of the easy chair and attend a political meeting. Oh, yes, I know. And listen, I can't uh, – uh, the only thing I can tell you is, yes, that's absolutely as repugnant to me as I'm sure it is to you. But I still do it uh, because I don't know of any other way – I don't know of any other way uh, to do this, Okay. Uh, all right, uh, our number is 347-308-8790, 347-308-8790. You guys are welcome to call in and join the, uh, the conversation here, because right now it's just a monologue, okay? So if you don't want it to be a monologue, then you need to call in so there can be a discussion, all right? That's the only way that I'm going to hear your views on it, and that's the way. That's the only way that anybody else is going to hear any other views besides my views on it. So get involved. You can do that uh, real easy here in just in the next uh, couple of minutes, 347-308-8790. Now, uh, the revolution, the Boston Revolution of 1689, it 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 wasn't a groundbreaking uh, event as far as what it actually got accomplished, but it certainly goes to it certainly helps understand the the events, the processes uh, 
that were going on colonies at the time. Uh, and certainly, I would think that it was a great example of of folks not paying attention to history. Because if the rulers in 1775 had gone back and read through that history, they would have seen that what they were about to embark on in 1775 had already been tried uh, 80 years earlier and was not working. And, and it didn't work. So I can't see how they would have expected it to work uh, 90 years later. But they did. They tried it, and they got the same results. All right, we've got uh, we've got another caller there. Sam, is the is that call for us? Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. You guys are welcome to call in. We've only got about uh, another nine minutes, but if we, if anybody would like to call in, uh, you're welcome to. And like I said, unless you just want to, uh, unless you want to keep, uh, if you want to have a uh, uh, an active part in uh, in deciding uh, what shows, uh, what guests you would like to hear on the shows, or what topics you want covered, then that's up to you. I mean, uh, if you want to do that, then I would be glad. Uh, to uh, to tender you guys uh, quest and uh, try and get anybody. And it can be anybody because uh, the show has gotten to a uh, you know a level now where where I can ask folks uh, you know even fairly uh, uh, fairly high ranking folks and stuff to come on the show uh, and they will because. Uh, because we've been doing this show for quite a few years now. We've got a lot of listeners. Uh, and we've had plenty of folks uh, on here that uh, that you guys apparently uh, uh, wanted to have on, and we got them on. Folks like uh, Larry Pratt from Gun Owners of America. Uh, we've had the uh, uh, the Knox family members on here. Uh, 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 Masad Ayub. We've had uh, uh, Dr. Uh, David Hackett Fisher, uh, who wrote uh, our textbook for uh, the Appleseed uh, Project's history, <clears throat> and any of the other folks that uh, you would like to hear on the program, then uh, please uh, uh, forward those to me, and I'll do my best to uh, to get them on. <clears throat> All right, uh, area code uh, 505, you're on the air? Hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm okay, who is this? Oh, this is Captain yeah, Wilde, the newspaper guy. <laughs> uh, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Um, just want to say hey to everybody in uh, Appleseed, New Mexico, who got me on the trail. Um, I, I kind of, you know, was amazed at the range of your shows. And everything else. Um, I, I I always wondered where you came up with the ideas and everything. And 
And I wanted to say thanks for, you know, giving us such a wide range of, uh, you know, education, I might say. Well, the show actually uh, was never meant to be really a public show. Uh, it happened, well, many years ago when I was trying to figure out a way to uh, – it was back in the days when we, we really didn't have that many instructors. Matter of fact, uh, I knew almost every instructor personally in the Apathy Project. And, uh, of course, nowadays there's, there's no way. I mean, we have thousands and there's no way. I, I, I don't even know their forum names, let alone know them personally. But, uh, but back in the old days, I said, well, we've got to have a way uh, to instruct, uh, to get the information out to new instructors. And we were trying to figure out any way we could, and I came across a blog talk, and I said, well, here, so we can, maybe we can do it like this. We can uh, put information out. Uh, like in a, a radio kind of format, and the folks can call in, and, and that way we can all be connected, and we can, you know, have discussions on uh, instructing techniques and uh, and how to run apple seeds and stuff like that. And it just uh, it kind of morphed away from that because uh, because I didn't get the involvement from the instructors that I thought I was going to. And then I said, well, I'll just use it to, I'll put the information out myself. And then uh, and it kind of, this kind of, you know, moves there on its own. Now, in the beginning, it was very, it's very hard, and it still kind of is, because in the beginning, I was, I took a, uh, a very strong apple seed uh, line of thought. And that made it hard, because, you know, apple seed is a non-profit, uh, organization and it has to adhere to a lot of different guidelines and right and because of that uh, a lot of the early shows were pretty limited in their scope and stuff like that because I had to be very careful of things I said and stuff like that but I, I've never taken a penny from Appleseed and I've never uh, and I've eventually kind of separated the show now so that I'm affiliated with the program as far as I support Appleseed, but uh, but I don't have to uh, I don't have to walk the same uh, the same tightrope at least not as bad and, and I still I still try and monitor uh, you know discussion so that it doesn't get out of hand because there's no need for it to but I, I'm able to talk about a lot more uh, subjects now and uh, and I hope that that I hope that that works but regardless of that I still if uh, if you have any suggestions uh, of uh, guests that you would like to see on the show or topics that you would like to hear covered then uh, I would be glad to hear of those um yeah honestly I was I was amazed by the width, width and breadth of your uh, discussions to begin with I mean like you've had Everybody on from uh, heirloom seed companies to uh, you know professional shooting schools and and your own of course and uh, um, a, a lot of you know like subjects um, and history you know you have, you know I, I still remember uh, uh, a lot of your uh, uh, recanting of the battles up to uh, up to Saratoga, uh, Saratoga there so I was impressed yeah. with. Uh, 
Yeah, I was surprised with uh, with a lot of your, uh, especially tonight. You know, the, you know, pre-revolutionary. Uh, you know, checking out of Governor Andros and the rest of those guys. Um, interesting topics, interesting uh, subjects. Um, as for suggestions, I'd have to actually think for you know uh, a couple of hours before uh, asking for anything in particular. But um, I well, wanted to say it, thanks. Give it some thought and get back to me because uh, because like I said, if you guys don't. Uh, if you guys don't kinder any suggestions, and you're gonna have to put up with what I, with what I bring on the air. Well, listen, guys, uh, the English lady is talking in my ear, so that means we're coming to the end of the show. I want to thank you guys, uh, Bob. Thank you for calling in. Uh, God bless. Godspeed to you guys in the program here in New Mexico. Thanks for what you're doing, and and and. Certainly, I, I I thank you and I appreciate the uh, the kind words. And thanks to uh, to Glenn for calling in earlier. Thanks to Sam D for being here every week and for uh, for doing such a great job on the the show that we did. Now I think you guys got cut short a little bit on it because there was a uh, little bit of a mix up. Uh, when we scheduled the show, I think it got scheduled for Mountain Time, but we actually ran it as Central Time. So I think it chopped an hour off the show. But uh, next time we do it, we'll make sure that we don't. All right, I gotta go. God bless. Thanks all. Until uh, next uh, Thursday, we'll see you then. Thanks everybody. Good night. How worth your while. We get cut off. Did you get cut off? What do you mean? Hey, can you hear me?
Tracking who we need, you call this liberty. 